0: Hello everybody, I just wanted to let you know that the Raising Money Summit is coming up in October on the 3rd through the 5th in Denver, and this has an amazing lineup. It has Adam Adams, Michael Blanc, Tim Bratz, Ellie Perlman, Alina Trigub, Kent Clothier, Jeremy Roll, Jillian Sadati. Corey Peterson and Marine Miles and more. If you want to be able to get in and get 25% off of your ticket for the month of July, if you use the promo code SPOTLIGHT, again, that is SPOTLIGHT, all one word, if you use that promo, you'll get 25% off of your ticket. Welcome to REI Spotlight. Your host is David Schwan, and today's guest is Ben Suttles. Ben, welcome to the show, and give us a little bit
1: about your background. Hey, David. Well, I appreciate you having me on. So uh, I am a co-owner of a company called Disrupt Equity. We're out of Houston, Texas. Uh, We buy and syndicate multifamily throughout Texas and the Southeast, mainly in Atlanta. So we've got I've um, syndicated, I'm going on deal number 10. Currently have nine of those still. We'll probably be selling two of them in the next couple months, buy a few more. You know, after a few years, it starts becoming a kind of a perpetual phase of buying and selling, right? Yep. But uh, currently we've got about 1,300 doors, uh, comes out to about roughly 70 million in, in assets under management. And uh, you know, just excited. Keep trying to find good opportunities for our investors to to invest in.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Sounds uh, sound sounds great. Um, well, let's let's dig into a little bit. I, I haven't really talked to a whole lot of guests who are contemplating on the sell side. Are you selling just because it's the cycle, or is it just? That's the, the project has ran its life and it's just it's that point in the cycle for those properties and it's just that that was the
1: plan. So we like to consider ourselves opportunistic, not only buyers but sellers at the same time, right? I mean, we all go in. I think everybody has seen a, a one of these pitch decks or PPMS where it's a three to seven year hold or somewhere in that range, right? Well, we look at it like this, right? We always, we'll always project that out, you know, the three to seven year hold period. But if somebody's gonna come along and offer us a a good chunk of money that is right then and there, it's a valid, legit, solid buyer, you know, that's got a good track record to close, you know, we put it to a vote, you know, we'll put it back on our passive investors and say, hey, look, this guy came along, I'll give you a real world example of a deal that we're selling in Atlanta, right? So that was supposed to be a refi and hold for five years. Well, we ended up doing a lot of value add. My um, guy was looking to come along and he was gonna put even more money into the property, like to the tune of $20,000 more in a, a door, because he he felt like that was that's part of his business plan. He puts $20,000, so it's really a cumulative of 30. He can get three or $400 more in rent. So that is how he, that's essentially his business plan. That's it's his plan, heavy, heavy. Okay. yeah. So, For him, you know, stepping up and paying a certain amount of money, you know, um, at this point in time, right now, we're at the cycle, he was totally comfortable doing it. And it equated to about 112% total return. And it's going to be less than 18 months, you know, time. So it's a pretty good return. Uh, IRR is obviously off the charts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's only been 18 months. So. Uh, we put it to a vote because that's 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 what we do. Uh, that's how we get our passive investors involved, and they, you know, they ultimately everybody said yes or uh, some variation of "he double hockey sticks yes." <laughs> uh, no. uh, and uh, you know, so I mean, we we went back and said, hey, you know, we've got a deal. But you know, they could come back and say, no, guys, stick to the plan. Um, you know, continue to do your value add refi, and we're going to hold on to it, and that's what we're going to do. You know, but. We're always kind of keeping the feelers out we're always talking with brokers on a pretty much on a weekly basis just because we're looking to buy stuff too and they'll always kind of hey you know how's you know so-and-so property doing you know are you guys looking to sell and you know we'll say well if somebody came along and you know gave me 72 a door i'll sell it right you know you throw out some crazy number you never think in a million years that anybody will ever buy it for, and this guy did. <laughs> so, I, 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 um, I mean, like you said, oppor- being opportunistic.
0: I mean, you know, when when, when somebody's gone, when somebody comes along and makes you an offer, and you go, Well, that's enough. I, it'd take me three more years before we make that, and why not just make it now and, and, and walk away? You know, if, if that's what somebody's willing to offer, you know, hey. I'm not you. you, you know, we, we, when it gets to that level, and it's like, well, if you're giving me an offer that I'm insane to refuse. I'm not going to refuse it.
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, you look at this. This is our investing thesis, right? So our thesis is, you know, if you can make even if okay. So let me give you an example, right? Even if somebody said, okay, I, I you know, I'll, I'll pay sixty a door, whatever it might come out to, and it's it's a fifty percent return, right? So fifty percent return in eighteen months. Annualize that. It's pretty dang. <laughs> So you might, we might have still even had people come back and said, you know what, sell. Because, you know, on an annualized basis, that's a great deal. And so, you know, we're always looking looking to maximize our investors' return while minimizing their risk. Right. So this is the way that we do it. Right. Obviously, minimizing the risk is let's take money off the table, move that into another asset. Right. Definitely. You know, while while trying to get the best price per door that we can. And so we negotiate hard. I mean, we came back, we said, oh, wow, you yeah, know, 72. Yeah, I don't know about that. You know, I'll only sell it if you do like 73. And <laughs> we ended up on like 72.5, right? So we still got like an extra, you know, I think it ended up being like an extra 60 or 70,000 bucks. You know, so I mean, we're we're trying to do that for the benefit of our passive investors. And I think, you know, to be too rigid and, and say, oh, we're supposed to hold it for three to seven years. I think that that's, foolhardy, you should really look at it as how can I maximize returns for people too. And so, you know, that was just one example. And there's been other, the other deal that we're selling is same same thing. We've added a ton of value. We've driven NOI. We've done 1.4 million on that deal in terms of rehab, capital improvements to the property. And that's really improved the curb appeal. That's improved the tenant base or improved the tenant base and, and really driven that NOI number. You know the net operating income, the okay. profitability of a deal, which is you know how these things are, are valued. And so you know once again it was it's another off market transaction where we were just kind of talking with brokers here in Houston. This is a Texas deal that we have. And uh, you know the guy said, well hey, I got an, I got a guy out of Dallas who's looking to buy in that area, and I think he might be interested. And, and that's where we've where we're kind of at on that one. So. And same thing with the deal that we sold last year. It's all about maximizing returns, right? You know, so that's that's kind of our thesis, is just to be opportunistic and and roll with it. Because I'd much rather take money off the table now, you know, than hope that I, you know, maybe I'll get more, a little bit more in three to five years. Nobody knows what's gonna happen in three to five.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Especially especially when you sit down and you look at it and it's like, okay, uh my plan was to hold this for five more years and you know, like I said, you know, it's like, well, if I sell it now, I'm I'm at year three. You, you know, this is gonna give me my year three returns if I sell it now. You know, it's like why um, yeah. I, I wait another three years when somebody else is just gonna hand it to me now. And then you know it's like time to time to move on and find something uh, you know find a new new new
1: adventure to go after. Well, our new investment, right? You know, I mean, it's all about you know like let's you know, live to to fight another day. You take the money off the table and you 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 know you sell a deal, you buy two more. That's 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 how this all kind of works, right? Or you buy, you sell a deal, you sell, you you buy three more. Yeah, which yeah, sometimes yeah. that's the case, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm at you know I'm at year five six returns in eighteen months. So that's kind of indicative of where parts of the country are in terms of being kind of frothy, in, in terms of you know cap rate compression and and, and, and prices that that people are, uh, are buying and selling at, right? Um, but as a seller, we take advantage of that, right? And so you know, I mean, I look to buy low and sell high. That's just how real estate is, right? Definitely, definitely.
0: I mean, that's what that, that's what we're all looking for, and you know, it, it, it's just. Uh, I guess on the flip side, we just want to make sure that when we're going to uh going, going to buy, that we're not the guy, uh, you know, doing that. That's true. You, you know, we don't want well, that guy pay a retail, not unless yeah, you know, not unless
1: less less sweet. But well, you've got to, but I mean, you you know, just like everybody's got a, a business plan, everybody's got a story, everybody's going to say, how can I make this work, or maybe it doesn't work, right? You know. I mean, to say that I wouldn't buy something at 72 a door, that, you know, that would be foolish of me to say that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I look at it like this, right? You know, um, if I can make the returns and I'm mitigating risk for my investors, I'll look at any deal regardless of the price per pound on it, right? Oh, yeah. I think it, just, it just depends. But, you know, yeah, you're always trying to obviously buy it at the lowest price point. You can sell it at the highest one. and. You know, uh, but yeah, I mean, all these guys, I mean, the, the one that we sold last year, the guy's doing really well on it. I, you know, I, I, I was right there. I didn't, I didn't know how he could make any money, but he kind of, you know, realigned how, you know, he was positioning some things and added a, a few more things in terms of amenities and he's successful, you know, because what we got to think about is, right, you know, we're trying to return eight to 10% cash on cash to investors, right? And we're trying to double their money. You know, within, you know, five to seven years, roughly. And uh, some people, that's not their, that's not what they're looking to do. They're looking for, you know, maybe four to six, or maybe they're looking to hold on to it for 10 years. So, I mean, we, we look at it like this is, you know, yeah, maybe we couldn't make money or we couldn't make the money that, that we want to make, but maybe that's a great deal to that guy. And ultimately, yeah. if we can create a win-win, then, you know, we're always happy to walk away, you know, from the closing table and say, hey, it worked out. Everybody's happy. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's I, I, I mean, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we never really, you know, even on the sell side, we don't want to screw anybody. I mean, you know, we all want to be oh, yeah. there, you know, and it's it's like, look, you know, but like you said, you know, back to, uh, you know, what somebody, you, you know, what is a deal to me, me and you is, you know, I... I know guys out there that still, if it isn't, you know, if they're not buying it at 70 cents on a dollar, even on apartment complexes, they're not interested. That's, that's not my game. I I kind of, uh, you know, I I don't want to have to, I I don't want to have to beat the bushes that hard to find those deals. I mean, they, they, they work it and you know, their, their, their markets are a little bit different, you know, but you know, that's not, that's not for me. That's not to say that's bad. That's just, that's, their particular flavor profile. And it's like, look, if, you know, if that's what you want to swing for fine. And then, like you said, on the flip side, if a guy wants, you know, just something that look, this thing plods along and it does it, it does X and all I'm looking for is X and I'm happy with, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the, you know, the returns may not be as great as what we're looking at, but you know, if somebody's uh you know, if somebody's still doubling uh, what they can get on a, you know, at the bank,
1: I mean, who's, you know, they're still happy. It's it, it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? You know, I think that you have to look at it like that. I mean, um, you know, it, it and some guys are going to buy those cleaner deals. You know, okay. So let me let me let me step back. And so our once again, our thesis is more value add buying. I mean, we're we're looking at deals. Don't think boarded up but think distressed and either a management um, sense, or it's, it doesn't have the greatest curb appeals. It's just not being, it's not a stable property. It's not being, you know, maximized. And so we look for those opportunities where we can put in usually five to 10,000 a door into our properties and really drive that value, cure up a lot of this kind of you know, stuff that a lot of guys don't want to mess around with. You know, think roofs, think that type of stuff. Yeah, you know, we'll update some interiors, but usually we're only updating maybe 50, 60% of them. And then where's that? What's left there? Is that that's that meat? That and so that this guy or this gal, she's they're the type of buyer that doesn't want to do that heavy lifting stuff. Five to 10K, that scares them away, right? They want to, they maybe want to do the interior turns or, maybe they want to update the office, do all the sexy fun stuff, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And then, so, you know, we sell it as a, as a, you know, that is what we're giving you, is we're giving you a stable product, good tenant base, we've proven the value add, now you can take it and run with it. And it's it's more of a yield play versus a value add um, for these people. And and that's that's what a lot of these guys do it. Now, the Atlanta property is a little bit different. I mean, who puts 20, 25,000 in door? And this guy's business model is totally unique. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. you know, it's proven in that submarket that if you put that much money into it, you really can because that that submarket's kind of transitioning to kind of a trendy, chic area of Atlanta, and so he knows that, and that's why he's willing to do it. But usually, you put so you you buy a deal that's already had ten thousand a door put into it. Usually, you don't have to put too much more into it already. Yeah. But um, so that's a little bit unique. But the other deals are more stable. You know, the guy's going to put maybe I think two to three K a door and that's probably all gonna be interiors. And he's just gonna pop rents and, and he's happy with his four, five, six, eight percent return, maybe. Yeah. You know, and he'll hold on to it for ten years. Yeah. Because the the tax benefit, you know, which a lot of people don't talk about, is so tremendous on commercial real estate that it's not anything that we could project, right? But we do cost segregation and 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 you know the, the bonus depreciation and, and everything that that we can under the letter of the law to to kind of maximize the tax benefit of commercial real estate too, that's huge. Definitely. And so you you do all that in three to seven years when it's cash flow and everything else, it's 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 a, it's a boom for our investors. And uh, so some guys are they're ready to roll. They're ready to 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 stick it out for ten years.
0: Oh, definitely, especially like you said, if if it's somebody who uh, you know somebody who's sitting and they're you you know, they're already, you you know, they're a doctor or or somebody, you know, they have, they already have a business, it's cash flowing. And it's like, look, I just want someplace to, to stick this. And I'm really, my whole reason I'm in this is not necessarily for it to make me more cash. I want to pay less taxes. That's why I'm here, you know? And it's like, look, to to me, as long as it keeps, you know, pushing off the, the, the tax side of it, the, 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 tax saving benefit i'm not really all that concerned with the profitability of it as long as it's not costing me money i'm just wanting it for the tax benefits
1: and there's well i mean a lot of people other. let's be honest some of the some of the the wealthier individuals it's it's preservation of capital for for a lot that's of these guys i mean you know a lot of them will say hey you know let's talk about return of my capital not return on my capital and and really what that's all about is i just don't want to lose any money you know yeah. <laughs> i mean Making money is just the gravy. You know, you return my money and I get the tax benefit of it through depreciation and some of these other things that, that the federal government gives us benefit of. Yeah. They're happy can. You know, but ultimately, we're trying to take it one step further and really and still provide that cash flow and that that total return because, oh, oh, oh oh definitely. You know, I was just kind yeah. dig of in, digging into the
0: for my listeners, just kind of digging in a little bit to you, you know I could kind of hear hear out there that you know it's like okay well why's you know why would somebody take? those lower returns and it's like look if 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 that's the game they're playing not everybody you know this is real estate there's uh you 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 know there's there's a thousand and one ways to play and uh and then there's going to be a thousand and one new ways to play tomorrow so you know it's
1: it's you're always going to keep up with it man i'm a constant learner of this stuff because You know, I look at it like this, you know, the syndicators, the operators, the GPs, whatever you want to call, you know, what we do, right? You know, you have to wear many hats. You have to almost be a de facto expert on, you know, accounting, on the legalities of the whole entire process to, you know, uh, some kind of a tax attorney, 1031. And then 1031 is another thing that we've explored, too. We haven't pulled the trigger on it because my thing, my biggest concern with the 1031 really was the, the, not that, not that it doesn't have benefits, because it absolutely does. But in this climate, once again, we go back to you know buy low, sell high. I don't wanna be where the brokers are salivating because I'm this 1031 buyer and they're gonna throw everything that they couldn't sell to anybody else at me because they just think that I'm just gonna be some sucker that's gonna overpay for something. Yeah. And I think ultimately, the, what really concerns me is the time frame that's involved on those. That you have to, you have to pretty much have to sell, or you have to identify it within a certain amount of time, and you have to buy within a certain amount. Of oh time. yeah. And that that in itself limits how many deals you can really look at and underwrite and do tours on because there's just yeah. So you, many days yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: As was about I yeah. say that the, going that 1031 route, you know that that exchange route just it gives you, it, it's it's an awesome. It's an awesome tool and it works really, really well, but you almost have to have that next purchase almost already lined up before you like sign that. Yeah, I'm gonna, you, you know, it's it's almost like kind of like a reverse clause of like, yeah, I'll sell this to you once I, you, you know, instead of like a contingency on financing, it's like, no, this is a contingency on instead of a selling contingency, this is a well, I, I'll sell it to you if my offer over here gets accepted and, and, and that's almost that's almost the reality that we're in right now I mean I haven't really heard anybody say that but you know it, it's like look this is that's a situation where it's like um, yeah I I, I I don't mind selling it you know we're at that point but you know I'm gonna 1031 it so now I have to have this other property to to back it up because I need to be able to put my money somewhere
1: absolutely well i mean and the the other thing too to kind of think about when it comes to, to 1031s right is not only you know you got the timing issue that that's obviously um you know a problem but the way that we structured these at least you know my group and, and at least groups that i'm familiar with down here in the south everybody kind of structured it the same way where it's you know it's a syndication right and so to to 1031 a syndication into another deal is it can get complicated right you know because you know say for example you don't have 100% buy-in on it right then you got to drop those people you got to pay them off you got to structure it in a way where now this llc is buying into this other one it can get very very complicated and really the the people that i was always you know talking to were saying hey you know if you're going to do a 1031 you need to start start planning it out like six months before you're under contract because you know you need to know not when you're under contract, but prior to that, you know, who's all on board, who's not, and then structured in a way where it's the most tax advantageous way to do it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately the, once again, the way that we're just kind of fishing, you know, for offers out there, I'm not going to know if I'm going to be able to sell it anyway. So why structure it in a way where it's going to be, you know, maybe not advantageous to the, to the way we're operating it, but it's advantageous to the way that we're selling it. And then I don't end up selling. So it's kind of a catch twenty two, and I I know other people that syndicate that have the same problem. So it's just something that I, I would encourage your listeners just to look into because it's it the really the way that ten thirty one was supposed to be done. It's just you know either a guy and a couple of his buddies you know are kind of in a partnership, or you have one individual and maybe their spouse that own the property. Yeah, that makes it so much significantly easier to do. But when you have 30, 40 investors on a syndication and you got everybody's participation, or if you don't, what do they want to do? You know, then you have to kind of structure it in that way. It starts becoming burdensome and you're just like, man, eh, do I really want to do it? Is it, is it worth it to do it for everybody because it's going to start becoming complicated and expensive? Yeah. And so ultimately we've decided not to do it, but it is something that we want to, because I know that it's a benefit to our investors too, if we can structure it in a way that it, that it would work, but have to kind of plan it out. And once we get to kind of a more formal, hey, I've actually held on to this one for five to seven years. Yeah, Yeah, maybe I can plan that one out. Uh, you know, for the time being just taking the money and paying the capital gains on it.
0: Yeah. It, wow. It's, it's, it's kind of one of those ones. It's like, look, it's, it, it's a tool. It, it, it's not a tool that I'm going to use very often. It doesn't get dusted off that much, but you know, every once in a while, it's, it's, it's a tool, it's, it's in the toolbox. So, you know, yeah. when, it, when, when when we need it, when it fits, you know, it's kind of like, look, you know, you don't need every tool in your toolbox all the time, but you have them yeah. in there, you have them in there. So when the time arises that you need that tool, it's there. So you you know, it's it's like look look, ten thirty one, it's it's not uh, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's not gonna work out every time, but it's there. It's kind of like opportunity zones, you know. It's like look, yeah, the, the, you, you know, those are there, but again, you know, you have to have that focus and that idea and you're playing, you know, especially an opportunity zone, you're playing a long game there no matter what. I mean, you know, or you're really just wasting time because you you, you know because when you get into that type of stuff or you know you get into something on that side you know it's like look that's that's another tax saving vehicle but you know you're you're there for a ride because and and that's how it's designed I mean that's supposed I mean that's exactly what it's
1: supposed to do is they want you to be they want you to be in that thing for they want you to have your skin in the game for 10 years they don't want you to you know, build something and try to flip out of it as quickly as possible, all right? And that's why they have that, that tiered, you know, um, tax advantages to, to the way that they've structured it. But another thing that your, your, your listeners should look into is a Delaware Statutory Trust as well, DFT. You know, it, it's similar, um, you know, to a 1031, but uh, there's a little bit different of a structure to it so um and i think that you know at least the dst guys will always say there's a little bit more advantages to it so that's another thing that we're looking into as well you know the i think the the biggest downside to that one is you really don't have as much control because you're really you're really investing into a dst fund that's operated by somebody else but you know um that's another that's another thing you know because yeah, we go back to our earlier part of our conversation right is you know the the tax advantages that can go into commercial real estate are are incredible. And you have to know these certain things to maximize that. And so we continue to learn and and, kind of fine tune our skill set when it comes to that. But I agree with you. It's a, it's another tool that, you know, Hey, if I don't use it, I don't use it. At least I know how to use it. Yeah. And so, you know, always, always ask your sponsor, always ask the person that's putting together the deal like, Hey, you know, how are you going to mitigate our taxes on this thing? Because people just, they just all they look at is the cash on cash or the the total return that they're going to get but you know does the guy or the gal that's putting the deal together know about the tax advantages that
0: they get oh that, that that definitely you know and, and it's like you know some people are like look look dig in, you know especially if you're going passive dig into that paperwork look into the table Absolutely. paperwork you know d- dive deep into it you know understand what you know it, it's it's like look you know and yes you do have to you you have to review that paperwork every time you have to look through
1: it just to make sure that you know it's like look. it's like watching page dry i get it you know it's <laughs> you know our, our,
0: our ppm depending on how big our deck is is, is probably going to be over 100 pages long
1: but you know i my my thesis is is that it's something that's not asking questions unless i've done a lot of deals with them and i know that they're heavily they're very very sophisticated investor you know if they're not asking me questions i'm concerned about taking the money and i'm going to tell you why right because i don't feel comfortable taking somebody's investment that i'm not a hundred percent comfortable they even really know what they're investing in have you read the ppm do you know the risks right? Because there's no guarantees. In fact, we're not not even supposed to use the word, the the G word. (laughs) You can't use that word, right? And and the risk is you can lose everything, right? You can lose your whole entire investment. Now, obviously, the risk stops there. Nobody can come after you personally or anything like that. But you put $100,000 in, the market goes against us, something happens, right? You know, Oh, yeah. Boom. You yeah. can lose your money. So I always encourage people read that fine print and ask questions. You know, I mean, ask about the track record. Have they gone full cycle? How long have they been in business for? How long have they been doing commercial real estate deals? Right. I mean, all of these things. And the other thing, too, is, is I see a lot of people, and this is not bashing on, you know, I come from an entrepreneurial background. Yes. You know, I'm an IT company. And so, I mean, I know how to, to, you know, scale up businesses, drive profitability. I know about employees. I know about vendors. I know about payroll. I know about all that stuff, right? But you're going to have people that really have never dealt with any of that in their job, right? You know, and I won't bash on any specific industries, but I have a couple in mind that really are not looking at P&Ls on a daily basis, don't know anything about being, uh, you know, an owner or business owner or an entrepreneur, and they're out there buying a business. I mean, this is not just a piece of real estate. This is a business. And guess what? The property management company, as much as you want to say, oh, they're going to handle all this data. You don't want them handling everything. Trust me. Even at this level where I'm playing at, I've got a, a couple very good property management companies, but they do not do everything. And in fact, you don't want them to do everything. So you're going to ultimately be the final say so on a lot of the real dicey stuff, The you know the stuff that you know may you know could could result in some bad things happening or the really expensive stuff which is once again important and mm-hmm. so you need to know what you're doing so i always tell i always tell my investors you know even if you're not investing with me that's fine i'm just saying i just don't want people to get burned so ask what that person's business acumen is too right you know i mean do they have some kind of background in this do they go to business school or, or something like that right and I'm not saying that that's a prerequisite and that's going to make or break a deal sponsor because it's absolutely not. But that's just another thing uh, to check off on on a passive investor's checklist of, you know, potential, you know, uh, things that, that they like about the deal sponsor. Or they don't oh, because, I mean. you know, ultimately it's, it's their money and they need to be comfortable with how this thing is structured and who's doing it.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I mean, dig in. And, and like you said, I mean, just... You, you know, even if somebody gives you, you know, like, you know, uh, experience. Well, no, I've never uh, I this is my this is my third deal and it's never I, I haven't taken one full cycle. But um, partners or, I've been or I have a mentor I've, but you, you you know, it's like yeah. well, I, I have I have this okay, you know, here here's my piece of concern. Here here's where, you know, you're looking and you, and you've questioned me on this and it's like, okay, that's a valid question. I understand that my track record is not that long but here's what I have to offset it. You know, it's like look, here here here's here's you know, back to property management. It's like look, here's my property management company. They've been doing this in this market for 30 years. You know, it's like look, the 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 rent numbers and what they're seeing, you know, it's you know, that that's where you have to pull that teamwork, you know, or or you know, just whenever somebody has a question, you know, figure out go you know, like, look, this is this is my answer to it, and if they kick back and they go, well, that's not quite enough. You know, it's like, well, they, they, then you have to get them comfortable, or, or if 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 not, if you know, you go like, look, uh, you know, maybe maybe on my next deal, I'll have that sticking point remedied, and then we can move forward, and maybe my next one. This, you know, it's it's like you said, you know, if somebody gets into it and you can't answer their question to their you know it may just be okay this this particular deal's not the one for you mm-hmm. i will but now i know that like on the next one that i bring to you i know that this is important so that the next time i bring you a deal it because that's and it's a great thing for a passive investor to bring up to you so that way if you have a deal and they have this huge sticking point on look i want every one of my buildings to be blue and you're not repainting this one blue so i'm not, i'm i'm out of this one you know, but the next time you go to do one it you pull up and you go, Oh, this one's blue.
1: I know I knew it blue. It wants it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean I look at it like this. There's there's two there's two things that I always tell people, right? Everybody started at zero. Nobody just, you know, walked into having a thousand units and you know, or whatever amount of properties, right? You always start somewhere. So I'll never take that away from an aspiring deal sponsor. The other thing, too, is, and this is what I love about this industry, is that it's my partners and I. So who are you who are you co-sponsoring with? Right. So say, for example, the person doesn't have, you know, a business background or maybe they don't have two million dollars in the bank or whatever it might be. Right. You know, maybe the, maybe the co-sponsor, maybe the partner on the deal does. And most likely they probably do because they know going in that they're lacking that skill set or that, you know, that wherewithal or whatever it might be, and they're going to be smart enough to bring that person in. Everybody did. I mean, I did, I, you know, when I partnered up, you know, I partnered with a guy, he had already done syndication for 20 years. He had $2,500 at the time, you know, and that was really my, my foot in the door moment. Um, but I brought him the deal. So it was, it, you know, it, it, was a, it was a good match. Um, but I knew that I didn't have the experience and, um, you know, and so he brought that level of experience. I brought the deal and it was a win-win. And so I always tell people, look, you know, yeah, you're always going to start at nothing. And, you know, if you don't have something, somebody else does, uh, no. you know, partner up with that person. As long as it's a win-win and, you know, you've you you know, you've obviously done a background check and you like that person, you can get along with them. I say go for it, you know, because all these people, they're not buying this stuff on their own. know there always might be one guy that's kind of the face of the company sometimes or maybe one or two guys just like me and Ferris you know if we're disrupt I've got four people that work for us though. You know I've got a team you know in the background that's 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 pulling all these levers and doing all these things to really kind of make the, the business hum. And so you know ultimately they're helping add value to me too. So there's always going to be people there that can add value that you just might not know about. And it's not just one, it's not a one man show. Oh
0: yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the wonderful thing about it is it's like, look, you know, I I mean, you, you may go, uh, you you know, especially to the, to the new, new, new guys out there. It's like, look, if you're, if you're raising a deal and you truly have a deal, you may have to give up a little part and peak. but you know what, your partner, you, that, that, piece of credibility if you've really done your due diligence and you really have a deal because some people have deals that aren't really deals but if you really have a deal take it out there network with some experienced people and you'll find that partner that'll bring that missing piece you know if you've really if you really got a deal you, the the rest of the parts and pieces
1: I'm not saying that you don't have to hustle you still have to hustle oh, yeah. uh, that's, that's the one thing that you, you- regardless of what you got you know that you know it, everybody has to work hard you know nobody's going to get a free ride even you know even people that have the experience we're in there rolling up our sleeves and helping out and doing that type of stuff too but you know i mean i, I tell people on my first deal i made not that much money i won't i won't tell you the percentage but <laughs> it, it was i gave up a lot but it was my foot in the, it was a, once again it was a foot in the door moment for me and, you know, um, the returns on that were pretty, pretty good, you know? And so I was able to, to really kind of spotlight that and that's kind of helped my career. So I look at it like, Hey man, I paid, I paid my dues yep. and, and, and now I'm, you know, I'm on kind of the flip side of it too, where people are kind of bringing us deals. But, you know, I think ultimately if you can create a win-win with somebody that adds value and, and brings in that missing component, you, you've got a good, you've got a good thing there.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you, you, you know, I, I don't know who has said it, but, you know, I've heard it probably multiple places. So I don't know who to give credit to, but it's like, look, uh, you know, 5% of a deal is still a hell of a lot more than 0% of a deal. Um, sure. sure. You, 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 well, you, you know, especially when you're a rookie, it's like, look, you, you, you you may be overpaying, but you're getting in the game. You're in the driver. You, you, you know, you, 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 you've hopped on board and you're
1: moving. Momentum, yeah. I mean, momentum is amazing. Yeah, and it's like you know, and I, once again, I don't, I can't, I can't tell you who who's actually quote this is, but it's like I'd much rather take a smaller piece of a bigger pie than a bigger piece of a smaller pie, too, right? Yes. And so, what does that mean? And the numbers back this up, too, right? So, what does that mean? I would much rather take three percent on a twenty million dollar deal than twenty percent on a two million dollar deal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because I think the, the the gains on the back end are going to that that equity piece is going to be so much more than you know than what it would be on 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 a smaller deal, and so that really lends itself well to to partnering too, because then everybody makes a little bit of money, but everybody's goals keep continue to get you know bigger and more bold, and and I think that that's always important too.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, what's uh... I, I always have one question that I always ask every guest, and that is, you know, what what is your preferred or favorite way to
1: give back to your community? So there's a couple of ways that I've done. I mean, I, I always find stuff that, you know, I'll do on a one-off, right? You know, because, you know, you, you'll come across, you know, something that just kind of piques your interest. You say, hey, I want to get behind that, right? And so yep. I, struggle, I struggle a lot of checks doing that. You know, here in Houston, though, I support the Houston Food Bank. It's one of the biggest food banks in the, in the country. Uh, go down there, volunteer, you know, and I think that it's important that anybody that, you know, it gets, it doesn't matter if you're at, at whatever point in your career, right? It doesn't hurt to lend your time. It doesn't necessarily have to be not the bust out your checkbook, right? These guys, yeah, they love monetary contributions. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, they need volunteers too. So regardless of what your, your favorite charity is, it's just about donating your time. Go out there, you know, one Saturday, a quarter, you know, these people need help. Right. And so for me, I go out there, you know, I'm unboxing, you know, uh, you know, produce and stuff that comes from Kroger and Walmart and we're repalletizing it. And, you know, we're sorting different stuff. I mean, it's it, it can be tough work, but, you know, for four or five hours, you know, every couple months, you know, I think it's well worth it. And you're, you're feeding families. And, uh, you know, I think it, it, it does a tremendous amount of, uh, of value here in our community here in Houston. Oh, definitely. And so I, I get behind that. But, you know, and then there'll be, you know, obviously uh, events that pop up, right? You know, Hurricane Harvey, you know, I gave back a lot when that happened here in Houston. And so there's always going to be those types of things. But um, I always encourage everybody to, to find something that you're passionate about and try to give back because that's, You know, at the end of the day, right? You know, you want to leave the world in a better place than
0: when you were. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, it's well. That's kind of why I have that question is just so uh, you know, so everybody can have have that that moment to to voice what you know what what their their charity and what you you know what what that part of their life you know what what that gets you you know what, what how they get pulled in that direction towards you know you know what what charitable contributions that they can make and it's like look. You know, just just go out there and do something, touch somebody's life. I mean, you know, it, it's like look. uh I, I mean, I've I've had people who just randomly, you know, I'll be gone through, you know, Wendy's or Burger King or something, and all of a sudden I pull up and they go, "Oh, person in front of you uh
1: paid for your lunch," and I'm like, "That it does all things, man." And I bet you that Dan that probably made your day. God, oh man.
0: It, 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 no. it always is because <laughs> it's, it's a small thing. It, it's like, yeah. well, most of the time, you, you, what I do is I look at I look at the person at the drive thru window and I go, well, how much is the guy behind me? How much is his lunch? And they'll be like eight bucks. Yeah. I'll hand him my card. I'll be like, look, pay for his too, because I have a smile on my face. And who knows how many times I've done that, and it's been like eight cars in a row that have you know done the same thing. You know, it's like, it, it's not necessarily whether the person behind you need, you know, like monetarily needs that. It's just that moment of, look, I don't know who you are. You're a complete stranger to me. I just want you to have, just put a smile on your face. And it's like, that is, that is amazing. So just, I just like to make sure that everybody just, you know, you know play, play to what, play to what you, what is pulled on your heart to go do, but just
1: go do something. Be, be, Part of it's not all about the money, man. It's not all about the money, and I, you know, I'm a big proponent of, you know, give without any expectation of reciprocation, right? And so, yep. what does that mean? Just go out and do it, man. You know, the universe will pay you back somewhere along the way, you know. The, but ultimately, uh, when you start giving without expecting something in return, it really starts almost. It's like it's like better than making money. And so. Oh, I mean, and, you know, I didn't realize that sensation until I started doing it. And that, that ultimately, not it's not all about the sensation. It's just about the actual act itself and, and making something special for somebody else. But, you know, it, it feels pretty damn good to do that type of stuff, too. And I always encourage people to do it if they can. And once again, people say, "Oh, I don't get any money. I get that. Most of these people are looking for a contribution of your time.
0: As I as say, it, yeah, you're, you're right. It doesn't have to be time. You, you know, it's like, look, you, you, you either have time, money, or wisdom. Most likely you have one of those three and mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, if you don't have a whole lot of time and, where you don't have a lot of money or, you know, whatever it is, just you have something, everybody has a gift, a talent, you know, you can do something even if it's like, look, uh, look, look, I'm broke I'm dumb as a box of rocks and you know but I'm running my ass off 60 hours a week it's like look uh, I'm still you can go you can go find something there's, I'm pretty sure there's a park around where you can pick up a couple pieces of trash and throw it in the
1: dumpster and go it's, it's that's easy my times that adds value and once again that creates a better world for people So Definitely. I agree but yeah that's that's gonna be that's that's my passion project here in houston but uh, always open to new ones and new new philanthropic endeavors if, if if ones are presented to me
0: awesome how can my uh if my listeners want to get a hold of you ben how can uh what's the best way for them to uh get a hold of you
1: so they can check us out www.disrupt equity just like it's uh, sounds.com and i'm ben at disrupt com. you know pretty good on emails, you know, then we can maybe set up a call. So I think that's probably the best way to do it. And, uh, you know, hopefully I added some value to your listeners today, but always open to some questions after the fact as
0: well. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, it has been a great interview and, and, and I'm pretty sure you'll get some, uh, get some emails out there and they'll, uh, you'll, you'll probably get some questions. So, but you know, uh, my, my, my listeners will uh, – yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure they'll send you some, uh, send you some questions and, and get, you, get some feedback from you. But, again, Ben, uh, thank you so much for hopping on here. And the listeners, just thank you so much for your time. And until next time,
1: thank you. All right. Thanks, David.